It's really good to be here and to uh, be back at Central Christian Church. This is home. I like your sign, Welcome Home, because this church is the one church that's most impacted my life and family, obviously. I was three and a half years old when uh, Dad started the church in January of 1939. He had to have a way to fund the school, and so he decided to convert a bunch of heathens and get them challenged to uh, start a Bible college. And you folks have supported it as the leading church out of the 120 churches that support us. You give more to the college than any other church, and that continues on. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You have literally given over a million dollars in the period of time that we've been keeping books on computers, which is the early 80s. (laughs) And uh, you continue to support every month the strongest supporting church that we have out of the 120 to support us. That is fabulous. And we've got a bunch of students that, uh, uh, you know, come from this church and more to come, I'm sure. It's really good to see uh, you. I left here in 1984 to become president of uh, San Jose Bible College. And um, uh, I was really uh, torn about whether to do that because I was very happy here. Things were growing. We're in these new facilities. And by the way, you've done a terrific job at keeping them up. But uh, it just seemed God wanted us to, to go there. And uh, I have been uh, grateful ever since. In fact, I think I saw a guy named Dr. Roger Edrington. Is he here this morning? Or did he leave? He probably just came to have some coffee. Oh, there he is. Yeah, hi, Roger. Um, Roger was my executive vice president. And what it meant was that everything I didn't want to do, I gave to him. So he was really busy because there was a lot of stuff. And uh, he's the one that led us in our um, move from San Jose over to uh, Rockland. Then he bailed and came here and became the preacher. But it's really good to see you, Roger. Again, I just say thanks, thanks, thanks. You have contributed more to my life than you will ever fully know. The teachers that I had, Sunday school, the sacrifices that you made, the putting up with my brother, uh, and myself uh, here at this church. We are deeply, uh, deeply grateful. Some of you have asked about my wife, so I thought I'd give a brief update. She had a stroke, first of three strokes, last uh, October 11th. I got home uh, early from some things I was doing over at the university. Two o'clock in the afternoon, she was uh, uh, unconscious on the floor, had been there for about uh, two uh, hours or so. Had I gone home at the usual time of four or five o'clock, she wouldn't be around today. But my wife is in a care center with uh, five other ladies. Uh, she's uh, limp on the light, right side of her body, and she can't say very well what she wants to say. She cannot communicate. But she's happy there. She's got a smile on her face, and I take her places, take her to church uh, with me. Brought her home the other day and stayed overnight. We do it about once a month so that she won't lose contact with our, our um, house. But um, continuing with therapy and hoping that she'll get better. And I just want to thank you all for your prayer support and for uh, your encouragement. Um, one thing kind of funny happened uh, last week. The caregivers at the center told me this story. They said, and by the way, we grew up obviously in a very conservative situation where alcohol was not a part of our, our agenda in our family. And uh, my wife says, uh, um, thirsty. She finally got the word out. And they said, oh, you're thirsty? Can we get you something to drink? She sat there for probably a minute or so to try to find the word. And finally she says, whiskey. Whiskey. 
<laughs> and so I don't know if some of her earlier, you know, drives were surfacing in the center or just saw the TV ad or what, but uh, I've always laughed about that. So there's a lot of joy in our life, even at what has happened, because uh, she's still with us, and I'm grateful to God for that. And uh, we all have uh, a battle between pain and joy. That's just, just a part of life. But the difference in the two, I've come to realize more fully in just recent days, is that pain is circumstantial, but joy is the Savior. One has to do with what we go through. The other has to do with what he went through. One is temporary. The other is eternal. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So even if she should go on to be with Jesus, there will be pain. But joy overpowers it because I know we'll see each other again. And the joy of the Lord gives me hope and gives me the ability to keep putting one foot in front of the other. That's not living by denial. That's not saying that we don't go through our meltdown times and have tears and all of that. But it means that joy is the presence of Christ in our life. And his life is extending to us certainty about the future. And so the joy of the Lord is my strength. I got that kind of out of Hebrews 12th chapter where Jesus said that... Um, he, that he went through the shame and the pain of Calvary for the joy that was set before him. In other words, it was painful to go through the cross, but he knew on the other side of the cross there would be nothing but joy as the family of God now would be established by his shed blood. So what we go through simply expresses and continues to move us forward in our journey with the Lord, and the joy is accelerated. Even if our body is taken from us, we're accelerated into the presence of uh, Jesus. Well, it's family talk time because assigned to me was the subject of um, honoring your father and mother. And I thought that would be very appropriate being that, as Scott mentioned, dad and mom were the ones that really launched this church in 1939. They didn't ask me permission. They just did it. And uh, we were a part of it, Jess and I, and uh, we're grateful for what God has done. And so we have this text that we're going to use, the fifth commandment. You're having a series of lessons on the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is given you. The first thing we would look at is, is defining the meaning of honoring dad and mom. And here is uh, one person's uh, definition, the meaning of honoring your dad and mother. And the next slide shows the Webster definition to regard or treat with honor or respect to confer honor on, which is action, both attitude and action. On the next one, it says to regard or treat, no, back, to regard or treat with esteem or respect, to revere, to treat with deference and submission, to dignify, to raise, to distinction or notice, to elevate in rank or station, to ennoble, to exalt, to glorify. Then there's some things that it's not, okay? And here's some things that honoring is not. It does not mean honor only if the person is personally perceived as deserving, Honor not, uh, honor only if the person always reciprocates. It does not mean honor only if it is pleasing to you to do so. It does not mean honor only if you get compliments for doing so. It does not mean honor only if it feels right. And it does not mean honor only if other people also do so. That's a lot of words 
but it gets us to the command to honor both mom and dad as one of the Ten Commandments, and it's stated many times in Scripture. And sometimes it's said differently than it's said there, but it's to amplify and to define what Scripture means when it says to honor your father and mother. Jesus even put it this way in Matthew 19, 19, Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus quoted passages like that in his ministry many times to reinforce the truth that was communicated in earlier days. And here he combines it with neighbors, which has to do with honoring father and mother expands to more than just mom and dad, but it spills over into the neighborhood because the motivation behind that is love. Motivation is that we are to respect and honor. Honoring father and mother is being respectful in word and action and having an inward attitude of love and esteem for their position. The Greek word, if you were to look it up, is this, to revere, to prize, and value. Because parents are a treasure. They gave us life. They nurtured us. They cared for us. They sacrificed for us. And none of us would be here if we didn't have a father and a mother. And we honor that in attitude and actions. The Pharisees were even reminded of it that it was going to be painful if they didn't honor father or mother. It's more than lip service. It's submitting to their authority to honor father and mother. Now, I'll have to admit that those of us growing up didn't always honor our fathers and our mothers in God-honoring ways. I remember we had in our home a very nice dining room table. Mom had bought it, Dad had bought it, and we liked ping pong, my brother and I. And so it was a perfect table for that, but mom and dad said, you know, we don't want you guys playing ping pong on this table. Okay. So as soon as they would leave the home, um, we would uh, take the cloth off of the table and we would open it up and put the net on and play ping pong. Then as we would hit the ball, we'd kind of watch out the window. As soon as they came driving in the driveway, we would collapse it again and point, hi, mom and dad, good to see you guys. And I'm just so glad my brother came up with that idea. <laughs> because we had a lot of fun playing ping pong. All of us did that kind of stuff because we're a little bit rebellious when we're kids. Uh, sometimes that rebellion goes away and sometimes it stays for a lifetime. But we sometimes will do stuff our way. And it was not God honoring. And Velt, you and I are going to have to ask dad and mom forgiveness someday when we get up there, okay? Because dad's probably going to be writing down right now all the things that uh, we need to ask forgiveness for that we hid from them as we were uh, children growing up. But I forgive you too. So, um, <laughs> so we... <laughs> Excuse me, sarcasm was one of our family gifts that we have, and I just have trouble not expressing it, um, or I would lose my gift. So it teaches us, okay, admitting and, and um, uh, going through the process of seeking how to live a, a godly life. It teaches us to submit. Colossians, the third chapter and verse 20 says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. 
We accept and appreciate their authority, Colossians 3.20. But what it says is obey them in everything where this pleases the Lord. Okay? Number two, the outcome of honoring your dad and mom. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land. The Lord your God is giving you. It produces what he's saying there, a life that will be protected. Because in that time, if you didn't honor mom and dad in the more radical Christian or uh, godly groups and in some of the other religious groups, if you didn't honor mom and dad properly, you were punished, literally physically punished. Some actually exercised execution of the person if they did not honor mom and dad. So he says, so that you may live long, it protects you. But secondly, it gives you every opportunity to live the most fulfilled and fruitful life because it's just consistent with the way God created us. And we learn submission to our Heavenly Father through submission in a practical way through our parents. We give ourselves to their leadership. We give ourselves to the Heavenly Father also. And so it's not only protection, but it keeps us protected emotionally and in terms of development due to anxiety and fear and all the other issues that will limit the kind of life that God has for us if we do it God's way. And so, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live long and that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Produces fulfillment, makes impact. Ephesians, the sixth chapter in verse 2, puts it this way. Children, obey your parents in the Lord For this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. And the promise is that you will be able to live with hope about the future. You will be fulfilled. It is right to do things God's way. He made us so that we can choose to live any way we want, but he gave us these guidelines, especially in the person of Christ, as to how life can be lived best. And if you overstep those commands. If you do not follow the way Christ lived, then what happens is you don't go into greater freedom, but you go into progressive slavery. Because God created us to be in fellowship with him. And he says, in order for that fellowship to be the best kind of life expression, here's the way it should be lived as he gave to us Jesus. So the commands are there not to punish us, but to protect us. When you violate the commands, it does not give you freedom. It moves you towards slavery because it will limit the life potential that God has available for you if you do things his way. And so he gave it to us for protection and for the opportunity to be fruitful and to be fulfilled. That it might go well, he says, for you by honoring your parents because it, it, it affects the quality of the life you live and the family you are in. It is fun, folks, to be in a God-honoring, functional family according to God's commands. Our family with mom and dad was not a perfect family. There are none. We were not perfect kids. They were not perfect parents. But dad and mom were dedicated Christian people who were living out with prayer and with purpose, and with sacrifice, the people that God wanted them to be, and we caught that. 
And we got that, and it impacted our lives, and we'll do that forever. I like this statement of Billy Graham. I think he said it really well. A child who is allowed to be disrespectful to his parents will not have true respect for anyone. If you think that through, that's a pretty powerful statement. And what he's saying about that is that what we feel about our parents spills over as a lifestyle into all relationships because our brain gets trained on that particular journey, piece of it. And I've thought about that a number of times in, uh, actually just this last week uh, when I read that quote, but I kind of focused on it and thought through my own journey. And I remember being over at the university, how that uh, with 200 employees or so, you always had some disgruntled employees, workers that would not fit into the values and the core values of the university, men and women who wanted to do things their way, and it wasn't working because it disrupted their department or disrupted the, the culture of the university. So we'd have to sit down and talk about that. Sometimes we could work through it. Sometimes we couldn't. And they needed to find another assignment for the next steps of their journey. And I would encourage them to do that. Um, but what happens is this, that when I had conversation with them frequently, they would get into their method of making decisions and their family issues would come up. And quite often, there was a bad functional relationship with mom or with dad from early years of childhood. And that began to shape them as to how they would respond in settings where there was a flow of information to fulfill a mission coming from outside themselves, but they had to comply to it in order for the mission to be fulfilled. And so respecting mom and dad spills over into all other relationships, and it spills over to your relationship with God. It's much easier for a person to be submitted to God's plan for their life if they've been submitted to the plan that mom and dad had for them because it became a brain training thing and a decision of direction and how they were going to respond to authority. And so what God has given to us here is really powerful. If there isn't the honoring of mom and dad, here's a couple of interesting verses here that tells what the outcome will be if we do not honor consequences of disobeying the fifth commandment, Exodus. And he who strikes his father or his mother shall surely put to death. How? That's strong. If you hit your mom or your dad at one point in Jewish history, then you're going to be put to death. Boy, that's legalistic. That's powerful. But it shows how valuable that concept is. Second, he who mistreats his father and chases away his mother is a son who causes shame and brings reproach. And so, number one, it could cause death at that time. Second is, it will cause shame and reproach. It will catch up with you. So dishonoring is something that the outcome for it will not be a healthy one for you to live with. So God gave us this for our protection. He gave this for our fruitfulness and fulfillment. It has broad application, affects every area of your life. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, Ephesians 6, 2. And the promise is, it'll go well for you. It'll just be best. Well, third, honoring them even if they are messed up. Some parents are badly twisted. How should we respond? I have done things that have not been best for my children. Had to ask forgiveness on occasion. 
Sometimes things were done that I should have uh, known about at the time and done differently. But we have a forgiving God and hopefully family that understands and forgives too. But this um, verse of Scripture says, Obedience is what is needed, that we are to be given to our parents even when they are twisted. Here's what the verse says, Obey your parents in the Lord. Ephesians chapter 6, for this is right, said Paul. In other words, obey your parents, but if they are not in the Lord, if they are people who are encouraging you to do things that should not be done, then your primary allegiance is unto the Lord. This last week at a staff meeting at our church, I was sitting at a round table with some of our staff, and uh, this one gal just shared with us at the table for a time of prayer that she's trying to right her relationship with her father. And um, after the time was over and the time of prayer, I said, can I talk to you personally a bit? She said, sure. And so she told me her story. Her mom died when she was 15, and um, at the age of 16, she gave, the daughter did, that I was talking to, her life to the Lord. Her dad was not a Christ follower, is still not a Christ follower today, and he kept encouraging her to drink and to smoke and to do some other things that were not at all good for her, and they were not God-honoring things, being that she is a Christian lady, and so she would not, would not do those. Her dad got very upset over it. The relationship was not good because of it. I said, well, how are you treating it now? She's 23 years old, and she said, well, I call him frequently to see how things are going, and I go out to dinner with him at least once a month just to love on him. I do not follow the things that he follows. I'm not given to all of that, but I still want to love on my father. He is my dad. He brought me into the world. I think that's a pretty good adjustment, a pretty good way to handle it. You don't give yourself to the leadership of your parents if they are not following the Lord in areas that may for you violate the teachings of the Lord and the life that Jesus wants you to live. But you still love the persons that God has brought into your life and you tell them your story. Hopefully, they will come around to a point where they can see the error of their way and be transformed by the person of, uh, of Jesus. So it's an interesting balance. Their lasting impact of, uh, of, of mom and dad in our lives and how we relate is, is so important. Point number four, the lasting impact of honoring your dad and your mom. Find ways to be engaged with your children. And uh, there's many models of how to do this in the Bible. Abraham and Isaac. Isaac never did question what was going on till right near the end when it was about time for Abraham to take his life. He just was going up the mountain with his dad because he said, we're going to do it. Prodigal son story repeated uh, over and over by many of us who speak that the young boy said, you know, um, just uh, forgive me and uh, make me one of your hired servants um, because I've really blown it. And so we've got all kinds of models about that. But as I thought about kind of wrapping up uh, our time together here, I thought about uh, how do we find ways to engage with your children? Why is it that you honor your mom and your dad? I don't know where you are in that journey, 
But given the legacy of the church and the college and the starter of that being my mom and dad, I thought it might be good to honor them for just a couple of moments with some stories as to what contributed Belton, my choice to honor mom and dad throughout our lives. They were Christ-centered people. They made sacrifices. Dad was in prayer frequently, early morning hours. He would tell us we had to be in bed at 9 o'clock at night because he had to get up at 5 o'clock and walk from 844 East St. John to 306 South 5th Street to have prayer, to pray in the resources to start a college. We saw the sacrifices that he made. We saw the spirit of his life. Now, Dad didn't know it, but at about 10 o'clock, Belt and I would get up and play games. Um, but, uh, uh, but Dad, at 9 o'clock, had to get us in bed. We saw dedication in his life that was transparent, that was real, was not contradictory. It wasn't phony in any way. Given to prayer, given to sacrifice. We had um, no salaries in the early years of the college. And um, so the teachers volunteered their time. They were local pastors. And there was a kid who worked at Claps Baby Food. And so he would bring dented cans to the school. And my uh, dad would always bring home the ones that faculty didn't take from or students take from. And it was always fig pudding. And he would bring home fig pudding. And I got to tell you, um, Claps Baby Food went out of existence and they deserved to. It was horrible stuff. And so uh, I remember saying that at the table. And, uh, Dad, why do you bring this junk home? And uh, uh, Dad would say, well, think of all the poor starving kids in India. And I said, Dad, box it all up and send it to India. And cry it out loud. We didn't have a lot of things that money can buy. But we had a lot of things that money couldn't buy. Love and joy and peace. We never knew we were poor. Because we were rich in the things that really count and not just in the financial things. Here's a picture of us uh, when we came to San Jose. That's the building in which the church was started. And uh, Dad uh, launched the, uh, uh, the, the college, uh, the, the church in January of 39 and the college in the fall. Dad had a love for baseball also, and he taught that to us. The next picture shows us, that's my brother there in the middle. We made him do the work. And uh, Larry Stilgebauer, who has been a member of this church for many years, now lives in Texas. And then there I am on the back. Dad had a love for baseball, probably could have gone into professional baseball. So my brother and I still play on softball teams. They passed that down to us. Uh, Justice's team had a horrible season, and we won the championship this year, my team. No bragging, just factual information about uh, the journey. But he, Dad put that into us, just fun, enjoying life. And... On my hand there is a glove that I'll always be grateful for because when I was in the fifth grade at Horseman Grammar School over here on Santa Clara Street, um, my baseball glove was stolen. I remember I cried about it. I came in the back door when I got home. My mom wanted to know what to do, and I told the story. I didn't know it, but for about three months, she was taking a quarter or 50 cents and putting in a little cup up in the kitchen without telling me about it and we didn't have much to eat as I've already told but she got $16 together and she came to me one day and said son uh, let's go down to Gordon Sports Shop on San Fernando Street and buy you a new glove and that's the glove that we bought handmade glove by Hemus at that time one of the finest gloves you could purchase what that said to me was it was easy to honor mom and dad because there was such love that was expressed. Such sacrifice for the values that were important to them. 
Dad could have bought a new car. He could have got other things with the money. But they took what little bit they had and they passed it on to make it possible for their kids to move forward. He loved to fish. He, just, he, he always got pine, pine treeitis in April which meant he had to go to the mountains to get rid of it. And so we would go to Yosemite. Here's a limit of fish my dad caught. I think it's probably more than a limit, but he'll have to answer that. Um, But if you look closely, there's a string of fish there. And look at the left hand over here, his right hand. it's, It's above the string. And I remember when they took that picture, he wanted it taken where he stood back about two feet from the fish and then tried to look in the camera shot like he's holding the string because that makes the fish look bigger. <laughs> See, they look like they're 18 to 20 inches long while they're probably 8 to 10 inches long. So He had a sense of humor. He had fun. He just enjoyed life and he imparted that to us and let us enter into it. We'd go fishing at Vogelsang. It was a hike of about... Eight miles out of 12 meadows up to 10,000 feet in Vogelsheim. Get up 5 o'clock in the morning to go up there. Dad wanted us to go too and to catch the golden trout and get eaten up by the mosquitoes too. And I remember I was scared to death as I walked along that trail because my flashlight, I could see a bear behind every tree. I thought I could. So to protect myself, I put my dad in front of me and my brother behind me. And that way if the bear came, they would go first. And uh, so Dad just taught us a lot of great values like that. You know how to how to move how to move forward. Dad had the dr- dream, uh, the desire, had it all of his life, as far as I know. He was quite an athlete. He could he could stand on his hands and walk up those stairs until he was about uh, forty years old. It was amazing how how he could do that. Um, and uh, I was going to say something about it. Oh yeah, um, when he was. Very young, he decided he wanted to climb Half Dome on his 70th birthday and stand on his head on top of Half Dome. So here's a picture of Dad standing on his head on Half Dome at 70 years of age. And we all walked up there with him and had a big time. And so my brother, of course, had to do the same thing. Here he is here, about ready to fall, but he's going to make it. Okay, he's 70 years old. And then came my time when I hit 70 and I stood on my head on top of Half Dome. And I decided, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do it on my 80th. That'll be a lot of fun. So here I am on my 80th and uh, standing on my head on top of Half Dome. And I know someday I'm going to say, Dad, I, I got something to tell you. And he said, he'll say, Son, I, I, I know. I know. You climb on your 80th. Don't brag up here. They'll kick you out. So I'll keep it there. But we went ahead and climbed it, and I had a lot of help getting up there. The next picture shows a picture of some of my family helping me. There's Jim, who was here three or four weeks ago, I think, and preached. And there's uh, his boy, uh, Kurt, getting me steady. The next picture shows uh, Jim getting me a little more steady there, and Kurt moves back as the next slide shows. Uh, And Jim's just holding uh, me up there a bit. Then I got all by myself on my 80th birthday. That was a fun time. Yeah. And uh, my son, uh, after we got down off the mountain, he says, hey, Pop, uh, uh, you going to do this on your 90th birthday? And I said, well, Jim, it just depends whether or not you're still alive. You know, (laughs) 
So we'll see what, what happens. But I share that with you. It's, it's just the culture of a family is so important, folks, and the parents have the opportunity to set that culture. So to respect mom and dad is not a difficult thing if the kids' needs are getting met and if the relationship's not been a good one, I would just encourage you to love on your kids at any stage of your life because we are not to simply love and respect them when we're young, but all of our lives. Uh, the kids are, and, and, and to love on your kids if there's been things that need to be taken care of, to do your best in doing that. Well, we were we were empowered or blessed by them because of their passion for the Lord and His kingdom. The next uh, slide shows at the uh, college about seven or eight years into its origin, and that's where Central Christian Church met, right there in that facility. I was baptized in that building, in the water, but I mean in the building. And uh, we just had a wonderful time there. And you guys have supported the college since its beginning, not only the strongest supporting church, but um, have just been so faithful in so many ways. And the college now, just three weeks ago when we started up this fall, had a record number of students, 1,700 students, who are going forth to serve the Lord. The next slide shows all of those students standing on the ramp, or many of them standing there. And that exists because you guys exist. You guys started that college. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The impact of that, the missions that you guys support, phenomenal. Look at all that stuff out there. You give more to missions than any other church that I know of or I've ever worked in or preached in. You give more than a third of your income, if I understand it right, to mission work. Two of them are my daughter and son-in-law, Frank and Jan Shatner, who will probably be here sometime this fall or winter. Uh, they're back for a short stay from having been in Thailand for 30 years, starting churches in in Vietnam and China and, and beyond. So we are just so grateful for all of that and for what God has done. It got started right here in the next slide where we have my parents and my grandparents, my wife's parents and her her grandparents. And then if you come on down through the family system, you've got about 400 people that have been impacted in the, in the six generations. The ones who started that are the grandparents. And it was passed on from one generation to the next. And the ripple of that, you can't fully understand or, or know. None of us can. It is said that uh, if you live a normal lifetime and even are the most reserved in personality, you will impact 10,000 people in your lifetime. If you multiply that by what I just stated, that's just one family, folks. Some of you say, but I don't have family. Yeah, you do. Look around you. We're all family, folks. You might be single, might be divorced, maybe you've lost your spouse. Folks, we are family. And when we work together, respecting one another, grabbing a hold of the mission of God and moving forward with it, boy, I just stand on tiptoe waiting to see what's going to happen. We're going to get to heaven someday, and there's going to be a pretty good chunk set aside for Central Christian Church. I'll be up there and help make the sign because I'm going to get up there before you. And there's going to be literally millions of people who've been impacted just because of this one congregation, your faithfulness, and your desire to see the Lord lifted high in a culture and a world that has lost its way. If it doesn't come from the church... It's not going to happen, folks, for God empowers us in Christ to move forward and to someday hear, well done, well done, good 
and faithful servant. Be sure you honor your parents and especially honor your heavenly father for the joy of what lies ahead and the power to live the way that is fulfilling and fruitful. Let's pray. God, thank you for the people in this room and thank you for the literally thousands of people since 1939 who have been impacted, who have come to know the Lord, who have been used of you through Central Christian Church. Lord, my heart is here. just have so much to be grateful for in what you've done throughout its history. And Father, you ain't done yet. (laughs) You're going to keep building these people, growing this congregation to be a godly place where people can come to know who Jesus is so that they can be a part of your family forever. Father, we want to develop that kind of family legacy in our personal families and in our church family. Thank you, thank you, thank you for allowing us to be a part of it. And we will rejoice forever. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.